Millennium shit. Limp Biscuit. Ha. X to the Z. Yeah. Ha. Bring it alive to you and yours. Ladies and gentlemen. Ha ha ha. My homeboy. Yo, get at him, dog. Wanna fuck with me today? Cause a little something, something didn't go your way. Yeah. Try not to be like that today. Cause I'm a real motherfucker from round the way. We don't give a fuck when we're rocking the place. We're only giving a fuck if you're evading the space. So yeah. get your groove on. Gotta get your groove on. Don't keep us waiting too long. Don't keep us waiting too long. Don't you treat me like a toy kid? Do you enjoy this? Every single second I'm alive, I'm a mess. Got these laser beam mic checks. Communicating through the genelec. Welcome to another episode of, uh, I guess, I don't even know what I want to call this podcast, Gina, because it's like the sample hour is like becoming my, like, because I do a lot of stuff on my own without my brother and the sample hour is something him and I are supposed to do. So it's so, the Drew hour. I guess so. I don't know what I'm going to call it. I think I might call it sample. Yeah, I've never talked to your brother. Do you even have a brother? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I do. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> it's true. You guys have never really interacted. So it's just, I don't know, it's weird because you and I have a friendship. So it's just like, I just i just like talking to you. Like, I like the way things flow when it's just you and yeah. I talking. Yeah, me too. I just don't like to share you. I'm selfish. Ooh, selfish. Shellfish. Shellfish. But anyways, this is at underscore Gina Tron on Twitter. She, you can also find her on Facebook. You could actually like her page. That would help her out a lot. More like she gets, more legit she looks. But Gina recently wrote an article in Vice for Vice um, about the epidemic of heroin in Vermont. And after reading the article, Gina, it was very alarming and crazy how <laughs> many people do heroin in Vermont. Yeah, right? Yeah, yes. it's, uh, it's funny because I would always, like, tell people, like, friends from, like, in New York or anywhere else, like, about, like, people I grew up with and, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I know a lot of people that overdosed from heroin or, you know, had a problem for a while and they would always be like, I don't really know that many people that got into that. And then I, like, I guess I always assume because Vermont seems like a kind of safe haven from, in comparison to a lot of places in the U.S., I just kind of assumed that if it was like that in Vermont that it was worse in other places, but it turns out that Vermont's actually the number one hotspot for heroin and just opiates in general. So then, you know, my friend and I, it was actually my friend's idea to do the story for Vice, and then we just kind of went together on this trip and co-wrote it and interviewed a bunch of junkies and heroin dealers, ex-heroin dealers, um, people that worked in the police department, and, you know, it was, yeah, it was really eye-opening. Even, you know, I knew about it, but I didn't realize just how bad it was, and it, it didn't take too, it was, it didn't take that much effort to find heroin there or to find people like that it affected. It basically has affected everybody. Like how, um, 
Like how challenging was it to get the dealers to talk to you, or like the guy who brags about smuggling a ton of? Oh, very easy. It was very easy for me. Um, it's actually a friend of one of my good friends, and that's that's his little brother, actually. So it was my friend's little brother, and he, you know, I know like it looks he looks pretty bad in the article, and definitely he's nobody to feel sympathy for. But um, I think that you know a lot of people hate hated him for that, and uh, he got a lot of death threats, but. I think, you know, these low-level dealers are not really, like, the enemy. I mean, it's not cool to be selling heroin and dealing and, like, bragging about it. But I think that's part of the problem. It's a big systemic problem. And he's kind of symbolic for a lot of these small-time dealers in Vermont. Like, uh, I th- like me and Hannah, uh, who her and I wrote it, like, we we kind of thought of him as kind of, like, ig- like not ignorant, but kind of almost innocent. And, you know, he would talk to us. Not innocent, but kind of innocent in a very, like, you know, not a sophisticated dealer. He's definitely not a dealer. He's traffic drugs. Yeah. So he's just not not too bright when it comes to the way that he's going about it. Um, and um, I think there's something to be said about, because he was telling us, like, oh, you know, these, these dealers down in Massachusetts, they were nice to me. They bought me food, and then they took me out on the town. Like, it's, like, kind of, it's kind of interesting how it's, like, almost, it's very kind of like Vermonty in a way where he just doesn't, I don't know. I think that that's kind of like what's happening a lot and up there and people feel kind of badass because they're kind of getting involved in this heroin game and it's not, it's not badass or fun. They're like, you know, basically killing off their community. If, and if not by literally killing their peers, it's killing the, you know, killing their chance of being, having successful normal lives. Yeah. No, yeah, it's uh, it's a weird thing. Like, I've never really experienced anybody in my life that's really been, like, hooked on heroin or mm-hmm. know anybody that's trafficked heroin. I mean, that's a scary thing. Like, that's a serious drug. I mean, I, I don't – I guess, like, what was shocking for me is that, like, that he just was like, yeah, this is what I do. And it just, like, he's putting himself out there. Like, he didn't – I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine people would like – him bragging about the fact that yeah. he traffics so much heroin. I mean, that's a pretty. It's like that's part of like the gray market, black market. Is you don't you don't want people to fucking know what you're doing. And I think I think he, yeah, I think he in particular maybe was crying out for help a little bit, or because yeah. he said to us um, that he didn't really want to do it anymore. And we're like, well, and he also said that all of his friends do heroin, and everybody knows does heroin. So we're like, well, what would it take for you to stop? He's like, leave Vermont. And that's not to say that, like, there's, there's people in, there's lots of people in Vermont that do not do heroin. And, uh, you know, but I think he feels trapped in that circle. And I think, you know, in general, a lot of people feel trapped in, like, the circle that they kind of run with and whatever, for better or worse. So, in his head, you know, it's just funny how people can feel trapped, even though they're not, nobody's tying them down and telling them to do this. You know, you free to just walk into, you know, Walgreens and ask for a real job and, you know, but at the same whatever. time, like, I'm sure he's making a lot more money than what he'd make at Walgreens. Exactly, and that's part of the problem. Is especially like for people who maybe they already have a bit of a criminal record, um, they dropped out of high school, they are going to make minimum wage, or they could sell heroin. Heroin. <laughs> they could sell heroin and like make a lot more than what they would. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a good opportunity, and I say that in quotes for like underprivileged or people that maybe kind of fucked up their their life a little bit so they kind of further go down the rabbit hole by getting into drug dealing and you know then 
that doesn't really help. I mean, it might end at first, but it never really ends well. And like the one girl in there, Jen, and I know her very well too. Like I knew she did heroin, but I didn't know she was a peeler until I talked to her about this. Yeah. And that was kind of eye-opening. So I'm like, well, how many of my friends that I know did heroin were actually trafficking it? And she was saying, like, probably most of them, because you can't really, even though it's relatively cheap to do heroin, um, it's a habit that you have to maintain. So in order to maintain it, unless you have a really good job or you're independently wealthy, you might, you probably, there's probably a good chance you're doing some trafficking and it's also relatively easy to do, I guess. That's just crazy to me. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like, it's, like it's, 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 it's like heroin in, in Vermont is like just as casual it is great. as marijuana yeah, uses everywhere else. It really surprises a lot of people. And I'm actually writing a piece right now um, for Politico. Do you know that publication? Yeah, I know Politico. Yeah, they hit me up because they, they like that. And they, they wanted me to write a personal essay about heroin in Vermont. So I'm kind of writing about how, like, the image that, of Vermont that people have, like, how people think of it as, like, this, like, pristine state, you know, Ben and Jerry's and whatnot. And, you know, but just, like, everywhere, you know. And I think especially, like, working class and middle class America in general has kind of declined in the last 20 years. Like, yeah. what used to be respectable, like, working class communities and stuff is now, like, shitholes. And definitely not from all of Vermont is a shithole, but it's just sad to see that happening. I don't know if it has to do with the economy. I think it's a mix, but I think the reason, I think Vermont is a lot like a lot of America right now. Is a lot of meth and heroin is getting pumped into poor towns. But I think Vermont has a little bit worse because of the highway system. Montreal, there's the highways that go right up to Montreal. There's highways that go all from the, like, the, the major, smaller cities. So I think because it's rural there, but it's still close enough to bigger cities. So you know, people can like triple their money on the heroin and like, it's just, it's just like the perfect storm for the location. And Vermont has like a long history of like loving downers. So it's just like a a weird mix and ended up being the number one heroin thing world. (laughs) Like, so what other like downer drug history does Vermont have? Like, is it just always been a place where people do downers or? I think I was reading. Sorry. Yeah, it was really like a lot of farmers used to do it, and farmers' wives at a boredom would do it like in the 1800s there. So I think there's a history, and I think heroin, heroin was always there, but it wasn't like rampant as it is now. But um, the problem was that first, and I know in high school a lot of my peers were abusing Oxycontins and yeah. prescription drugs. So um, Oxycontin was a big thing and still is a big thing up there, but I think, you know, there's a lot of um, Oxycontin is now pricier. It's been taken off the market in certain places, and now heroin's a lot cheaper. So people that used to abuse Oxycontin still want that high, they turn to heroin. Because I don't think people usually decide that they want to be a heroin addict. I think they, they kind of get often get eased into it. And it's pretty much the same story with most heroin addicts I've spoken to, is that they started with Oxycontin, and then they went, they graduated, I guess you could say, to heroin. And actually, I was in rehab in upstate New York, which is a lot like Vermont. Yeah. Um. And it was very rural in Monticello. And I was there for cocaine, but everyone else was there for heroin. And they were all local. And most of them got into heroin because they were abusing Oxycontin. And then one day, one day the dealer came to them saying, I don't have any more Oxys, but I do have heroin. You're basically doing heroin anyway. Why don't you just try this? And then, you know, I don't know if they legit ran out of 
oxys or if it was just more profitable for them to sell them heroin. Yeah. To be in there, both. Because I think that, you know, there is, oxys are a lot less available than they used to be. And um, they're a lot more expensive and, yeah, less available now. Yeah, I mean, it used to, it was called hillbilly heroin for a long time, oxycodone. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, like, that's just crazy. Like, is it, like, for addiction? I mean, heroin addiction-wise is, like, one of the worst, too, isn't it? Like, isn't it? Too- oh, yeah. I mean, I never tried it, but it's, like, you, well, no matter if you get sick, you get sick right away, usually. My friends who have done it um, all tell me that, you know, if you don't throw up the first time, you do feel, like, almost like you're going to throw up. And then, you know, you get dope sick, and you have to, you even, like, after the first or second time, you have to keep doing it so that you don't get sick so you have to do it um or else you're going to be really sick and my one friend she said that i interviewed for it jen she said that um i don't remember if this was in there or not but she she didn't she was really young when she was i think she was still in her teens because she dropped out of high school at 15 and i think she was starting to traffic around like 16 or something um but she she um yeah she kind of started doing it and she thought she had a cold yeah thought she was sick but she was actually it was actually the heroin and she just just was kind of ignorant about the whole thing i don't think she was very educated about like what heroin did and um you know she was she had a boyfriend who i I think was older maybe i think kind of kind of you know got her into that whole world that's uh it's crazy I've never been involved. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I've ever done in my whole, like I, it's just like it's a, it's just like a scary, scary thing. Like I don't, I mean, like I'm, I'm, like personally, I think everything should be legal in the reality mm-hmm. of the situation, just because it clean everything up. And I mean, clearly, the legal drug is what's fueling this epidemic of the so-called illegal or black market drug. And I think it's, um, I mean, it's just crazy how. I, I feel like so, people are so oblivious to like how how dangerous heroin is, like or even like that it could be in their own backyard and they don't even know it. Like that, I don't yeah. know. I, like I'm trying to figure out how to how to properly express that. I don't know. It was shocking. Like your article is like super shocking and it's like really oh good, really good to read. People, you should go to uh, if you go to Vice dot com and you search for it. No, <laughs> actually, uh, yeah. If you just Google search Gina Tron and heroin. There you go. We'll pull up your article. That's a fun Google search to think about putting your name on, right, Gina? Yeah. Gina Tron heroin. <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty yeah, cool. It's so, kinda, oh, keep going. It's kind of crazy how it, like, um, I don't know. It kind of, like, like, blew up lately. Like, so I guess the governor spent an hour of his, well, not an hour, like, the entire speech this this year on um heroin and it was like in the New York Times now that Vermont has a heroin problem and now it's like all like this big hot story which is like I don't just crazy I mean so now it's like something I never would have thought of before um, before I even started researching that so it's yeah but you know I think I don't know I think a lot of like the politicians there kind of like they already knew that it was gonna they already knew it was like a big problem but now they kind of have to talk about it because everyone's like, well, what's going on? And that's, I think that's a problem with like a lot of like, like a lot of like, um, when they just kind of parade around, like arrest, they do a drug bust. If you, sometimes if you research the drug bust, like only like 
two of 30 of the people arrested actually stay in jail for more than a week. And it's just basically for show to, like, shut up the public. So it's funny, like, to see how a lot of it's handled. And, but I like uh, what the governor said about, you know, treating it as like, a public health issue rather than, like, a crime for, exactly. like, most like, users. Yeah, I don't think it's, I mean, there's not really, it's just silly. It's like, it's something that's not violent. Like, yeah, it's dangerous for people's health, but I don't, like the whole, the whole way we, like our, I don't want to say our, but the whole way the justice system has approached or police approach, like drug use is just silly, especially for a drug heroin. It's not like, why are you, why are you throwing that person in jail? Like in reality, they just need help or they need, you know. Yeah, some need some healing. Like they're sick. It's so easy to demonize people. I mean, I think I don't know. I think we're still so behind with like why people do stuff. I mean, like obviously everyone should be accountable for their own actions for sure. Um, But it's just like when there's a place that's like a hotbed of like you know certain places, geographical places. There's more drug users than others. Like there's a reason for it. It's not just like oh, that's just where people are weak and stupid. Like (laughs) you know, like a mix of economic problems and social problems going on yeah i don't know you know of course yeah i think people should be held accountable but i think maybe sometimes you know a little bit of uh compassion is also needed yeah i mean there's a lot of compassion i think that's needed i mean like i mean the, the fact is like i mean if you can make that kind of money really fast number one like who isn't it i mean for for somebody that's grown up poor their whole life who like how isn't that temptation or somebody that's grown up middle class or somebody who's been through our amazing school system and like had all these doors shut in their face you know what i'm saying like i I don't yeah i mean it's it's very much so socioeconomic than just oh you know these people are criminals yeah it's like well who's the real criminal i mean it's not like police even care. Police, everything's everything's driven by stats and closing cases and for cops. They don't they don't care about us. Or, I don't want to get on too much of the soapbox, Gina, but it's yeah. No, I I don't with you like on that. Like, um, I think that, um, yeah. Um, so like a lot of a lot of people that get into it, they. I'm sorry, I kind of lost my trail there. Yeah, all right, Gina. Got, Nobody's paying us little... this right now, Gina. We're we're good friends. <laughs> it's fine. Um, you know, good old heroin druggies. <laughs> sorry, uh, we're, we're yeah. talking about we were talking about police, and we were talking about uh, I think just the way society, I, I think just our society's society's view on oh. drugs, the indoctrination of of dare into into schools and how drug users are bad and they're, they're not. Good oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really, it's easy, especially, yeah, it's especially easy to like, you know, to like hate on like some, I don't know, like poor kid that's like, didn't have that much opportunities. And then, then there's like that whole affluenza thing. And it's like where people feel bad for someone who had more chances. I don't know. I, I always thought, you know, I think that people, be more compassionate with people's mistakes, but I always, I'm always like shocked when like, I mean, even when I worked at like the Catholic church, like that Catholic church TV job, like I saw some people having more sympathy for like priests that molest kids than some kid that grew up in the projects and sold crack. I'm like, no, nah, I think I feel bad for the, I feel more compassion for the kid that sold crack and grew up shitty than somebody whose job it is to teach morals. 
Yeah, and then molesting children. Yeah, they're like, well, everybody makes mistakes. I feel like everyone uses that, but only when it applies to, like, only, only when it <laughs> their friends to their lie that they that they live. Yeah, the, the shit that they did wrong. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's pretty fickle. There's there's a there's a huge hypocrisy that goes on in our culture, and especially anything that that's associated with religion. And yeah, and even like there's a lot of things that people turn into a religion, <laughs> whether it be, and I think like that's how a lot of people treat their government, or that. You know, the news, like, why would they lie to us? And it's like, they have very good reasons to lie to you about a lot of things. And it's, I don't know, like, it, it's it's unsettling because it's like, they're just like what you said, like, there's there's a lack of compassion. Like, there's like, uh, I don't know, like, I, th- I think people just need to, to give a shit more about other people. And it would... I think so. Yeah, I really think so. It's just like so easy to like, it's so easy to like hate on or like... To like just, uh, just I guess it's cheesy to be like oh don't judge people but it is it's true it's like so easy to to be like well I would never do that so come on well, we all judge they, people they should anybody that's ever gone to Walmart's judge someone because it's fun. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Walmart I'm supposed to uh, I'm in North Carolina now and might be going to Walmart later to pick up some crap I hate going to Walmart it's so creepy there's all this Duck Dynasty stuff oh it's it's like that. I, mean, I hate shopping there. I, yeah. I, I try to. I I don't really. I try as little as possible. To you know what? Put the, in the there. Great value products are pretty delicious. Like uh, they're great value the pizzas. Great value frozen pizzas. I'll put those against oh. <laughs> Tombstone Pizza any day of the week. They have delicious sauce. It's like God damn you, Walmart, and your great oh God, prices yeah. and delicious food. Um, <laughs> I'm just. Is it so hard to eat healthy these days? Like I was it talking is. like. I don't know. I used to do, um, when I was younger, I used to do this, like, for work. Uh, it was, like, a public access channel. I used to take, like, home videos and, like, transfer them from, like, film to VHS tape. Mm-hmm. And every family was pretty skinny and, like, pretty normal looking until, like, the 90s. And every single family just ballooned. But, like, yeah. they would give it to us food. in, like, pockets. Like it's like it, most people would give us like throughout the whole year, just be like from like the sixties to like the late nineties, and like by the end of everyone's, it was like the whole family got like obese. And I'm like, well, it's not just because they just got lazy; it's probably because of all the crap in the food. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I think it has a lot to do with crap in the food. I think a lot, it has a lot to do with bigger I mean, portions. People, people have less and less money, so it's like mm-hmm. food's a great way that you can try to cut costs or justifying eating healthier food. I mean, there's not, there's not a whole foods everywhere. Um, yeah. Knowing how to read marketing on your food labels. I mean, there's like read through. That know, takes some sophistication and some education. Yeah. I mean, it takes like, uh, and then there's like misnomers of effort, like people perpetuating, like, I don't know. Like I have a, I have a big, like I, tr- I have a big thing with like, the idea of like veganism and vegetarianism like i don't like i'm not gonna i have a lot of friends that are vegan and vegetarian but i don't know i think i think you need to try to eat a balanced meal so i just i feel like i just got you on this podcast so i could get on a bunch of soapboxes gina so (laughs) but i think yeah but it's like you know like watching um forks over knives like people were like i'm I'm a vegan i'm like well look there's shitty junk food out there but the, I mean, the whole you shouldn't eat meat thing is, I don't know. I think it's kind of silly. Like, we have canine teeth for a reason. I don't think that it, 
It's just eating yeah. free range meat is going to be a lot better for you than eating, you know, yeah, like hormone pump meat. Like, absolutely. Like, try to eat local foods. Like, there's a lot of diets that are revolved. That's good. Yeah. Your 100 miles. Oh, keep going, Gina. Oh, sorry. Um, like a little delay on the phone. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I definitely, I don't know. I, I was vegetarian for a while. I, I definitely am too, I, I love meat. I don't eat that much meat. I don't think meat's bad for you. I think everything in moderation, you know, is good. I completely agree. I completely agree, Gina. Um, so what's, what's North Carolina like? Gina, for people that don't know, Gina Tron moved. She's no longer in New York City. <laughs> I'm uh, here, probably not not permanently, probably like six months to a year, maybe a year. Basically, yeah, it's pretty chill. It's in this, I'm in this town called Wilmington. It's like, it's like a lot of film and TV shit gets shot here. So it's like not, it's like the South light. Like it's like the South, but it's like not like, not like, not the boonies um, for sure. It's still a city. And it's um, it's really nice. It's by the beach, so it's a really like a five to ten minute drive to the beach. And the city's pretty cool. There's some art and shit, and there's a lot of theater. And people are really people are really friendly. People wave a lot, even like kind of thuggy looking people wave. So it's kind of hard to tell if someone hates you. So yeah. far, I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll come across it eventually. But yeah, yeah but really, in, like, really in the south, if they don't like you, they're gonna tell you in a really kind way that they don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, I just uh. It's very nice of you to come into my store, but please get out as soon as possible. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, you know, I just want to let you know, we're not big fans of, of, of people that do the of things your, you your do. Of your people. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. seen some racist stuff go on, but that was, and in, in interesting ways, like, <laughs> so it was like a little shocked, like. It's different. Like They're in New York very City, open about it. Like in New York City or like in Ohio, like people are going to be nice to your face, but they're going to like, they're just going to lie to you. Like they'll yeah, that's like if, the difference. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like if if like like in New York, like or here, if let's say you want to get an apartment and they didn't want to give it to you because you were black, it would be more of a yeah, you know, we just don't have any openings right now, and then yeah, the person goes in. But here oh, they'll yeah. admit why, I yeah. guess. Because like I was in this one antique shop, and like I was asking the lady, old white lady, to show me something in the in the in the glass or whatever and so she showed me and some black dude walks in and he was like older he's like in his 50s he didn't look like you no know, he, he's trying to sell something so it was like an antique shop but he's she came over and asked and he says i'm not interested and he left and then this other woman ran over the other worker there's like you see the black guy that just came in here and, and the other woman's like yes i hope he didn't take anything i was like <laughs> and he was like sitting in front of me like as if i was at school with it and i was just like whatever weird this is awkward <laughs> Like, and, and when, like, even if someone was to think something horrible like that based on that race alone in New York, I don't think that they would say it like that or they'd wait for the customer to leave or kind of alluding that he would take something because he was black. Yeah, people are just, in the North, people are just way more, they're just way better at hiding their racism. Yeah. I don't know which is worse, actually. I don't know which <laughs> I, is, I, just, think, I think it's worse to hide your racism in reality because you're not. I guess. But I don't know. I mean, I, it's like a weird thing. You can't really justify any. Maybe I mean, if you hide it enough, then you'll. I feel like the worst being racist. The worst racist is the person that p- pretends to champion minority rights, but they don't have any black friends. Yeah. <laughs> or they're like, they're like, I can't be racist. I have one black friend, and then yeah. they're very condescending to the black friend. Like, hi, 
Uh, you came over, so I decided to make you your your people's food, which is chicken. And you know, like they're very like, or like that's all they like brag about it. Like he's cool. He's black. He knows how to dance good and stuff. I heard he also has a very big penis. Yeah, I heard black people big penises. Is that right? Put your dick. Just just pull your dick out. Let's take a look at it. Steve, get yours that's- out too. Let's compare. Oh, the old nothing, nothing beats racism like nudity. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that's a bad stigma, though. I mean, like, I, I think most black people know are pretty happy. I think they're okay with that. I I think think they are okay with that. I think they are. (laughs) Wow, this is all about Vermont and drug use. Now we're talking about black people liking the fact that white people think that it always degrades the black people's penises. It does. How every conversation ends. All the way. So, Gina, but, how many black penises have you seen? No, I'm just teasing. Now you're, now um, you're, now you're on Yuck's podcast. I would say two. Two. It's great is that you honestly answered the question. Thank you, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that I trust them. It means that, that is them. true. That is true. So what? Um, so what all do you have coming out soon? I know we got to cut this short here soon. We're getting close to half. Um, yeah, it looks like I probably do. Um, well, I'm working on that one that one article for Politico, which should be out soon, or maybe by the chance time that you see this, and then um, or that this is out. Um, and then my book is going to be out September September of this year. I've been working very hard at um, getting that finished so it can go to print. It's it's done. We're just like I'm working with an editor in LA and. Every day we're just going over a few more chapters to make sure it's as good as it can be. And um, what else? Oh, yeah, and then I'm working on the um, – we met on the Internet Project. It's, like, um, about couples that met online. And that was, like, you know, the New York Times. They did an article about that and a few other – well, we were in, like, Daily News and shit. And we were getting some press on that, but um, that's going to become a book. I don't know when, but – some publishers that look like they might be interested in it. So I didn't know you finished working on that. Article, the dating what? one. What's that? The dating one's out now. The, um, not yet. No, okay. we're still interviewing couples, but because I know you've been doing it for a really long time. So. Yeah, we've been doing it a while. I actually interviewed a couple last night who met um on on writeaprisoner dot com. So that was interesting. They met at prisoner dot com. Writeaprisoner dot com. What is that? So it's like a pen pal. You should look it up. Oh, right yeah, at prisoner.com. Yeah, yeah. Freeway Ricky like, Ross is trying to hook up prisoners all the time. Like, I don't know if they're like his people he used to, he used to be in jail with, but he's like, he always posted on Twitter. He's always like, check out this guy. Who wants to write this guy? Yeah, there's some real studs on there. Some real stud muffins. They look really, not only are they cute, but they are nice, caring men. I can just imagine them like typing it up while they're like raping their their um their roommate or like you know like, like i'm a very gentle spirit blah 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 and then like they're like punching out the guard like two minutes later i don't know <laughs> it's fun to read though like do you think that's weird that women want to go meet men that are in we were talking about this um the other day like there's a lot of people that are really seem to be attracted to like criminals like maybe it's because they're trying to save them or like change them so you remember like ted bundy had all these women that were like fawning after him I mean, Charles Manson probably still does. Charles Manson is knee-deep in admirers. Yeah. That's... He never has to work uh, at, at uh, 
romancing another person again. They, he just has like a, a list, like a stack. He has a stack of people, probably men and women, that would like do anything that he wants. Yeah. Because he's such a great. So what do we learn here? Yeah. Murderers get cake. That's crazy. Like cake, I mean, sex. Well, hey, I'm uh, I'm gonna let you go, Gina. Um, so people okay. follow Gina on Twitter. It's at Gina Tron or at underscore Gina Tron. Like her on Facebook. Um, you can friend her. She might not accept, but I'm just saying <laughs> you could if you wanted to. But just like her stuff on Facebook, and uh, I'll stay tuned for your articles. And I should have I should just have this out by uh, Wednesday. So this be coming out. Okay, Wednesday. cool. So um, well, anyways, Gina, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to talk to me today. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, anytime. It's always fun to chat with you. For sure, for sure. All right, cool. Oh, show. All right, Gina. Well, All right.